0: Hi, friends. Welcome to a very special week on the That Sounds Fun podcast. I am your host, Annie F. Downs, and I'm so happy to be here with you. It is Holy Week, the week between Palm Sunday and Easter, and each day I will be reading the stories from the Gospels—that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John—that coincide with this exact day. If you have not been able to listen, starting back at Palm Sunday and leading up to today, Good Friday, if you have time, I'd recommend doing that and catching up with our story. Today is Good Friday, and I will be reading from the message version. We will start in Matthew chapter 26, verse 47, and go to chapter 27, verse 66. The words were barely out of his mouth when Judas, the one from the 12, showed up, and with him a gang from the high priests and religious leaders brandishing swords and clubs. The betrayer had worked out a sign with them, The one I kissed, that's the one, sees him. He went straight to Jesus, greeted him, "'How are you, Rabbi?' and kissed him. And Jesus said, "'Friend, why this charade?' And then they came on him, grabbed him, and roughed him up. One of those with Jesus pulled his sword and, taking a swing at the chief priest's servant, cut off his ear. Jesus said, "'Put your sword back where it belongs. "'All who use swords are destroyed by swords.'" Don't you realize that I am able right now to call to my Father and 12 companies, more if I want them, of fighting angels would be here, battle ready. But if I did that, how would the scriptures come true that say this is the way it has to be? And then Jesus addressed the mob. What is this? Coming out after me with swords and clubs as if I were a dangerous criminal. Day after day, I've been sitting in the temple teaching. And you never so much as lifted a hand against me. You've done it this way to confirm and fulfill the prophetic writings. And then all the disciples cut and ran. The gang that had seized Jesus led him before Caiaphas, the chief priest, where the religion scholars and leaders had assembled. Peter followed at a safe distance until they got to the chief priest's courtyard. And then he slipped in and mingled with the servants, watching to see how things would turn out. The high priests, conspiring with the Jewish council, tried to cook up charges against Jesus in order to sentence him to death. But even though many stepped up, making up one false accusation after another, nothing was believable. And finally, two men came forward with this. He said, I can tear down this temple of God, and after three days rebuild it. And the chief priest stood up and said, what do you have to say to that accusation? And Jesus kept silent. And then the chief priest said, I command you by the authority of the living God to say if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus was curt. You yourself said it. And that's not all. Soon you'll see it for yourself. The Son of Man seated at the right hand of the Mighty One, arriving on the clouds of heaven. At that, the chief priest lost his temper ripping his robes, yelling, he blasphemed. Why do we need witnesses to accuse him? You all heard him blaspheme. Are you going to stand for such blasphemy? And they all said, death, that seals his death sentence. And then they were spitting in his face and banging him around. And they jeered as they slapped him, prophesy Messiah, who hit you this time? And all this time, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard. One servant girl came up to him and said, You were with Jesus, the Galilean. And in front of everybody there, he denied it. I don't know what you're talking about. And as he moved over toward the gate, someone else said to the people there, This man was with Jesus, the Nazarene. And again, he denied it, salting his denial with an oath. I swear, I never laid eyes on the man. And shortly after that, some bystanders approached Peter. You've got to be one of them. Your accent gives you away. And then he got really nervous and swore, "'I don't know the man.' And just then a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered what Jesus had said, "'Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times.' And he went out and cried and cried and cried. In the first light of dawn, all the high priest and religious leaders met and put the finishing touches on their plot to kill Jesus. And then they tied him up and paraded him to Pilate, the governor.' Judas, the one who betrayed him, realized that Jesus was doomed. Overcome with remorse, he gave back the 30 silver coins to the high priest, saying, I've sinned. I- I've betrayed an innocent man. They said, What do we care? That's your problem. And Judas threw the silver coins into the temple and left. And then he went out and hung himself. The high priest picked up the silver pieces but then didn't know what to do with them. It wouldn't be right to give this a payment for murder as an offering in the temple. And they decided to get rid of it by buying the potter's field and use it as a burial place for the homeless. That's how the field got called Murder Meadow, a name that has stuck to this day. Then Jeremiah's words became history. They took 30 silver pieces The price of the one priced by some sons of Israel, and they purchased the potter's field. And so they unwittingly followed the divine instructions to the letter. Jesus was placed before the governor who questioned him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, If you say so. But when the accusations rained down hot and heavy from the high priest and religious leaders, he said nothing. Pilate asked him, Do you hear that long list of accusations? Aren't you going to say something? Jesus kept silence, not a word from his mouth. The governor was impressed, really impressed. It was an old custom during the feast for the governor to pardon a single prisoner named by the crowd. At the time, they had the infamous Jesus Barabbas in prison. With the crowd before him, Pilate said, Which prisoner do you want me to pardon? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus, the so-called Christ. He knew it was through sheer spite that they had turned Jesus over to him. And while court was still in session, Pilate's wife sent him a message. Don't get mixed up in judging this noble man. I've just been through a long and troubled night because of a dream about him. And meanwhile, the high priest and religious leaders had talked the crowd into asking for the pardon of Barabbas and the execution of Jesus. The governor asked, which of the two do you want me to pardon? And they said, Barabbas. Then what do I do with Jesus, the so-called Christ? They all shouted, nail him to a cross. He objected, but for what crime? But they yelled all the louder, nail him to a cross. And when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere and that a riot was imminent, he took a basin of water and washed his hands in full sight of the crowd, saying, I'm washing my hands of responsibility for this man's death. From now on, it's in your hands, your judge and jury. The crowd answered, We'll take the blame, we and our children after us. And then he pardoned Barabbas. But he had Jesus whipped and then handed over for crucifixion. The soldiers assigned to the governor took Jesus into the governor's palace and got the entire brigade together for some fun. They stripped him and dressed him in a red toga. They plated a crown from branches of a thorn bush and set it on his head. They put a stick in his right hand for a scepter and then they knelt before him in mocking reverence. Bravo, King of the Jews, they said, bravo. And then they spit on him and hit him on the head with the stick. And when they had had their fun, they took off the toga and put his own clothes back on him. And then they proceeded out to the crucifixion. Along the way, they came on a man from Cyrene named Simon and made him carry Jesus's cross, arriving at Golgotha, the place they call Skull Hill. They offered him a mild painkiller, a mixture of wine and myrrh, but when he tasted it, he wouldn't drink it. After they had finished nailing him to the cross and were waiting for him to die, they whiled away the time by throwing dice for his clothes. And above his head, they had posted the criminal charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Along with him, they also crucified two criminals, one to his right, the other to his left. People passing along the road jeered, shaking their heads in mock lament. You bragged that you could tear down the temple and then rebuild it in three days, so show us your stuff. Save yourself. If you're really God's son, come down from that cross. The high priests, along with the religious scholars and leaders, were right there mixing it up with the rest of them, having a great time poking fun at him. He saved others. He can't save himself. King of Israel, is he? Then let him get down from that cross. We'll all become believers then. He was so sure of God. Well, let him rescue his, quote, son now if he wants him. He did claim to be God's son, didn't he? Even the two criminals crucified next to him joined in the mockery. From noon to three, the whole earth was dark. Around mid-afternoon, Jesus groaned out of the depths, crying loudly, Eli, Eli, lama Sabathani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some bystanders who heard him said, he's calling for Elijah. One of them ran and got a sponge soaked in sour wine and lifted it on a stick so he could drink. And the others joked, don't be in such a hurry. Let's see if Elijah comes and saves him. But Jesus, again crying out loudly, breathed his last. At that moment, the temple curtain was ripped in two, top to bottom. There was an earthquake, and rocks were split in pieces. What's more, tombs were opened up, and many bodies of believers asleep in their graves were raised. After Jesus' resurrection, they left the tombs, entered the holy city, and appeared to many. The captain of the guard and those with him when they saw the earthquake and everything else that was happening, were scared to death. They said, this has to be the Son of God. There were also quite a few women watching from a distance, women who had followed Jesus from Galilee in order to serve him. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the Zebedee brothers. Late in the afternoon, a wealthy man from Arimathea a disciple of Jesus, arrived. His name was Joseph. He went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate granted his request. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in clean linens, put it in his own tomb, a new tomb only recently cut into the rock, and rolled a large stone across the entrance. And then he went off, but Mary Magdalene and the other Mary stayed, sitting in plain view of the tomb. And after sundown, the high priests and the Pharisees arranged a meeting with Pilate. They said, Sir, we just remembered that the liar announced while he was still alive, After three days I will be raised. We've got to get that tomb sealed until the third day. There's a good chance his disciples will come and steal the corpse and then go around saying, He's risen from the dead and then we'll be worse off than before, the final deceit surpassing the first. Pilate told them, You will have a guard. Go ahead and secure it the best you can. So they went out and secured the tomb, sealing the stone and posting guards. And this is Mark 14 43 to 15 47. No sooner were the words out of his mouth than Judas, the one out of the twelve, showed up, and with him a gang of ruffians sent by the high priests, religious scholars, and leaders brandishing swords and clubs. The betrayer had worked out a signal with them. The one I kissed, that's the one. Seize him. Make sure he doesn't get away. He went straight to Jesus and said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The others then grabbed him and roughed him up. One of the men standing there unsheathed his sword, swung and came down on the chief priest's servant, lopping off the man's ear. Jesus said to them, What is this, coming after me with swords and clubs as if I were a dangerous criminal? Day after day, I've been sitting in the temple teaching and you never so much as lifted a hand against me. What you in fact have done is confirm the prophetic writings. All the disciples cut and ran. A young man was following along. All he had on was a bed sheet and some of the men grabbed him, but he got away running off naked, leaving them holding the sheet. They led Jesus to the chief priest, where the high priests, religious leaders, and scholars had gathered together. Peter followed at a safe distance until they got to the chief priest's courtyard, where he mingled with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. The high priest, conspiring with the Jewish council, looked high and low for evidence against Jesus by which they could sentence him to death. They found nothing. Plenty of people were willing to bring in false charges, but nothing added up, and they ended up canceling each other out. And then a few of them stood up and lied. We heard him say, I'm going to tear down this temple built by hard labor, and in three days build another without lifting a hand. But even they couldn't agree exactly. In the middle of this, the chief priest stood up and asked Jesus, what do you have to say to the accusation? Jesus was silent. He said nothing. The chief priest tried again, this time asking, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed? And Jesus said, yes, I am. And you'll see it yourself. The son of man seated at the right hand of the mighty one, arriving on the clouds of heaven. The chief priest lost his temper, ripping his clothes. He yelled, did you hear that? After that, do we need witnesses? You heard the blasphemy. Are you going to stand for it? They condemned him, one and all. The sentence, death. Some of them started spitting at him. They blindfolded his eyes and then hit him, saying, Who hit you? Prophesy! The guards, punching and slapping, took him away. And while all this was going on, Peter was down in the courtyard. One of the chief priest's servant girls came in and, seeing Peter warming himself there, looked hard at him and said, You were with the Nazarene Jesus. And he denied it. I don't know what you're talking about. He went out on the porch. A rooster crowed. The girl spotted him and began telling the people standing around, He's one of them. He denied it again. And after a little while, the bystander brought it up again. You've got to be one of them. You've got Galilean written all over you. And now Peter got really nervous and swore, I never laid eyes on this man you're talking about. And just then the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said, before a rooster crows twice, you'll deny me three times. And he collapsed in tears. At dawn's first light, the high priest with the religious leaders and scholars arranged a conference with the entire Jewish council. After tying Jesus securely, they took him out and presented him to Pilate. Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered, if you say so. The high priest let loose a barrage of accusations. Pilate asked again, aren't you going to answer anything? That's quite a list of accusations. And still he said nothing. Pilate was impressed, really impressed. It was a custom at the feast to release a prisoner, anyone the people asked for. There was one prisoner called Barabbas locked up with the insurrectionists who had committed murder during the uprising against Rome. As the crowd came up and began to present its petition for him to release a prisoner, Pilate anticipated them. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews to you? Pilate knew by this time that it was through sheer spite that the high priest had turned Jesus over to him. But the high priest by then had worked up the crowd to ask for the release of Barabbas. Pilate came back. So what do I do with this man you call king of the Jews? They yelled, nail him to a cross. Pilate objected, but for what crime? But they yelled all the louder, nail him to a cross. Pilate gave the crowd what it wanted, set Barabbas free, and turned Jesus over for whipping and crucifixion. The soldiers took Jesus into the palace called Praetorium and called together the entire brigade. They dressed him up in purple and put a crown plated from the thorn bush on his head. And then they began their mockery. Bravo, King of the Jews! And they banged on his head with a club, spit on him, and knelt down in mock worship. After they had had their fun, they took off the purple cape and put his own clothes back on him, and then they marched out to nail him to the cross. There was a man walking by, coming from work, Simon from Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus. They made him carry Jesus' cross. The soldiers brought Jesus to Golgotha, meaning Skull Hill, and they offered him a mild painkiller, wine mixed with myrrh, but he wouldn't take it, and they nailed him to the cross They divided up his clothes and threw dice to see who would get them. They nailed him up at nine o'clock in the morning. The charge against him, the king of the Jews, was printed on a poster. Along with him, they crucified two criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. People passing along the road jeered, shaking their heads in mock lament. You bragged that you could tear down the temple and then rebuild it in three days, so show us your stuff, save yourself. If you're really God's son, come down from that cross. The high priests, along with the religion scholars, were right there mixing it up with the rest of them, having a great time poking fun at him. He saved others, but he can't save himself. Messiah is he, king of Israel? Then let him climb down from that cross. We'll all become believers then. Even the men crucified alongside him joined in the mockery. At noon, the sky became extremely dark. The darkness lasted three hours. At three o'clock, Jesus groaned out of the depths, crying loudly, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabathani," which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders who heard him said, listen, he's calling for Elijah. Someone ran off, soaked a sponge in sour wine, put it on a stick, and gave it to him to drink, saying, Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. But Jesus, with a loud cry, gave his last breath. At that moment, the temple curtain ripped right down the middle. And when the Roman captain, standing guard in front of him, saw that he had quit breathing, he said, This has to be the Son of God. There were women watching from a distance. Among them, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of the younger James and Joseph, and Salome. And when Jesus was in Galilee, these women followed and served him and had come up with him to Jerusalem. Late in the afternoon, since it was the day of preparation, that is, Sabbath Eve, Joseph of Arimathea, a highly respected member of the Jewish council, came. He was one who lived expectantly on the lookout for the kingdom of God. Working up his courage, he went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate questioned whether he could be dead that soon and called for the captain to verify that he was really dead. Assured by the captain, he gave Joseph the corpse. Having already purchased a linen shroud, Joseph took him down, wrapped him in the shroud, placed him in a tomb that had been cut into the rock, and rolled a large stone across the opening. Mary Magdalene and Mary, mother of Joseph, watched the burial. This is Luke 22, and I'll start in verse 47 and then read to Luke 23, 56. No sooner were the words out of his mouth than a crowd showed up, Judas, the one from the 12 in the lead. He came right up to Jesus to kiss him, and Jesus said, Judas, you would betray the Son of Man with a kiss. And when those with him saw what was happening, they said, "'Master, shall we fight?' One of them took a swing at the chief priest's servant and cut off his ear. Jesus said, "'Let them be, even in this.' And then, touching the servant's ear, he healed him. Jesus spoke to those who had come, high priests, temple police, religious leaders. "'What is this, jumping me with swords and clubs as if I were a dangerous criminal?' day after day i've been with you in the temple and you've not so much as lifted a hand against me but do it your way it's a dark night a dark hour arresting jesus they marched him off and took him into the house of the chief priest peter followed but at a safe distance in the middle of the courtyard some people had started a fire and were sitting around it trying to keep warm one of the serving maids sitting at the fire noticed him and then took a second look and said, This man was with him. He denied it. Woman, I don't even know him. A short time later, someone else noticed him and said, You're one of them. But Peter denied it. Man, I am not. About an hour later, someone else spoke up, really adamant. He's got to have been with him. He's got Galilean written all over him. And Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And at that very moment, the last word hardly off his lips, a rooster crowed. And just then the master turned and looked at Peter. Peter remembered what the master had said to him. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. He went out and cried and cried and cried. The men in charge of Jesus began poking fun at him, slapping him around. They put a blindfold on him and taunted, Who hit you that time? They were having a grand time with him. When it was morning, the religious leaders of the people and the high priest and scholars all got together and brought him before their high council. They said, Are you the Messiah? And he answered, If I said yes, you wouldn't believe me. If I asked what you meant by your question, you wouldn't answer me. So here's what I have to say. From here on, the Son of Man takes his place at God's right hand, the place of power. They all said, so you admit your claim to be the Son of God? You're the ones who keep saying it, he said. But they had made up their minds. Why do we need any more evidence? We've all heard him as good as say it himself. Then they all took Jesus to Pilate and began to bring up charges against him. They said, We found this man undermining our law and order, forbidding taxes to be paid to Caesar, setting himself up as Messiah King. Pilate asked him, Is this true that you're king of the Jews? Those are your words, not mine, Jesus replied. Pilate told the high priests and the accompanying crowd, I find nothing wrong here. He seems harmless enough to me. But they were vehement. He's stirring up unrest among the people with his teachings, disturbing the peace everywhere, starting in Galilee and now all through Judea. He's a dangerous man endangering the peace. And when Pilate heard that, he asked, so he's a Galilean? Realizing that he properly came under Herod's jurisdiction, he passed the buck to Herod, who just happened to be in Jerusalem for a few days. Herod was delighted when Jesus showed up. He had wanted for a long time to see him. He'd heard so much about him. He hoped to see him do something spectacular. He peppered him with questions. Jesus didn't answer, not one word. But the high priest and religious scholars were right there, saying their peace strident and shrill in their accusations mightily offended herod turned on jesus his soldiers joined in taunting and jeering and then they dressed him up in an elaborate king costume and sent him back to pilate that day herod and pilate became thick as thieves always before they had kept their distance then pilate called in the high priest rulers and the others and said "'You brought this man to me as a disturber of the peace. "'I examined him in front of all of you "'and found there was nothing to your charge. "'And neither did Herod, for he sent him back here "'with a clean bill of health. "'It's clear that he's done nothing wrong, "'let alone anything deserving death. "'I'm going to warn him to watch his step and let him go.' "'And at that, the crowd went wild. "'Kill him! Give us Barabbas!' Rabbus had been thrown in prison for starting a riot in the city and for murder. Pilate still wanted to let Jesus go and so spoke out again, but they kept shouting back, Crucify! Crucify him! He tried a third time, but for what crime? I've found nothing in him deserving death. I'm going to warn him to watch his step and let him go. But they kept at it, a shouting mob, demanding that he be crucified. And finally, they shouted him down. Pilate caved in and gave them what they wanted. He released the man thrown in prison for rioting and murder and gave them Jesus to do whatever they wanted. As they led him off, they made Simon, a man from Cyrene, who happened to be coming in from the countryside, carry the cross behind Jesus. A huge crowd of people followed, along with women weeping and carrying on. At one point, Jesus turned to the women and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't cry for me. Cry for yourselves and for your children. The time is coming when they'll say, Lucky the women who never conceived. Lucky the wombs that never gave birth. Lucky the breasts that never gave milk. Then they'll start calling to the mountains, Fall down on us. Calling to the hills, cover us up. If people do these things to a live green tree, can you imagine what they'll do with dead wood? Two others, both criminals, were taken along with him for execution. And when they got to the place called Skull Hill, they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Dividing up his clothes, they threw dice for them. The people stood there staring at Jesus and the ringleaders made faces, taunting, he saved others, let's see him save himself, the Messiah of God, ha, the chosen, ha. The soldiers also came up and poked fun at him, making a game of it. They toasted him with sour wine, so you're king of the Jews, save yourself. Printed over him was a sign, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging alongside cursed him, some Messiah you are, save yourself, save us. But the other one made him shut up. Have you no fear of God? You're getting the same as him. We deserve this, but not him. He did nothing to deserve this. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And he said, don't worry, I will. Today you will join me in paradise. By now it was noon, The whole earth became dark, the darkness lasting three hours, a total blackout. The temple curtain split right down the middle. Jesus called loudly, Father, I place my life in your hands, and then he breathed his last. When the captain there saw what happened, he honored God. This man was innocent, a good man, an innocent All who had come around as spectators to watch the show when they saw what actually happened were overcome with grief and headed home. Those who knew Jesus well, along with the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a respectful distance and kept vigil. There was a man by the name of Joseph, a member of the Jewish High Council, a man of good heart and good character. He had not gone along with the plans and actions of the council. His hometown was the Jewish village of Arimathea and he lived in alert expectation of the kingdom of God. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Taking him down, he wrapped him in a linen shroud and placed him in a tomb chiseled into the rock, a tomb never yet used. It was the day before Sabbath, the Sabbath just about to begin. The women who had been companions of Jesus from Galilee followed along. They saw the tomb where Jesus's body was placed, and then they went back to prepare burial spices and perfumes. They rested quietly on the Sabbath, as commanded. And finally, this is John 18, starting in verse one to 19, verse 42. So all of chapter 18 and 19. Jesus, having prayed this prayer, left with his disciples and crossed over the brook Kidron at a place where there was a garden. He and his disciples entered it. Judas, his betrayer, knew the place because Jesus and his disciples went there often. So Judas led the way to the garden, and the Roman soldiers and police sent by the high priest and Pharisees followed. They arrived there with lanterns and torches and swords. Jesus, knowing by now everything that was coming down on him, went out and met them. He said, "'Who are you after?' And they answered, "'Jesus of Nazarene.'" He said, "'That's me.'" The soldiers recoiled, totally taken aback. Judas, his betrayer, stood out like a sore thumb. Jesus asked again, "'Who are you after?' And they answered, "'Jesus the Nazarene.'" "'I told you,' said Jesus, "'That's me. I'm the one. So if it's me you're after, let the others go.'" This validated the words in his prayer, I didn't lose one of those you gave. Just then, Simon Peter, who was carrying a sword, pulled it from its sheath and struck the chief priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. Malchus was the servant's name. Jesus ordered Peter, put your sword back. Do you think for a minute I'm not going to drink this cup the father gave me? And then the Roman soldiers, under their commander, Joined by the Jewish police, seized Jesus and tied him up. They took him first to Annas, father-in-law of Caiaphas. Caiaphas was the chief priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it was to their advantage that one man die for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. That other disciple was known by the chief priest, and so he went in with Jesus to the chief priest's courtyard. Peter had to stay outside. And then the other disciple went out, spoke to the doorkeeper, and got Peter in. The young woman, who was the doorkeeper, said to Peter, "'Aren't you one of this man's disciples?' He said, "'No, I am not.'" The servants and police had made a fire because of the cold and were huddled there warming themselves. Peter stood with them, trying to get warm. Annas interrogated Jesus regarding his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered, I've spoken openly in public. I've taught regularly in meeting places and the temple where the Jews all come together. Everything has been out in the open. I've said nothing in secret. So why are you treating me like a conspirator? Question those who've been listening to me. They know well what I've said. My teachings have all been above board. And when he said this, one of the policemen standing there slapped Jesus across the face, saying, how dare you speak to the chief priest like that? And Jesus replied, if I've said something wrong, prove it. But if I've spoken the plain truth, why this slapping around? And then Anna sent him, still tied up, to the chief priest, Caiaphas. And meanwhile, Simon Peter was back at the fire, still trying to get warm. The others there said to him, aren't you one of his disciples? And he denied it, not me. One of the chief priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, said, didn't I see you in the garden with him? And again, Peter denied it. Just then, a rooster crowed. They led Jesus then from Caiaphas to the Roman governor's palace. It was early morning. They themselves didn't enter the palace because they didn't want to be disqualified from eating the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and spoke, what charges do you bring against this man? And they said, if he hadn't been doing something evil, do you think we'd be here bothering you? And Pilate said, you take him, judge him by your law. The Jews said, we're not allowed to kill anyone. This would confirm Jesus's word indicating the way he would die. Pilate went back into the palace and called for Jesus. He said, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Are you saying this on your own, or did others tell you this about me? Pilate said, Do I look like a Jew? Your people and your high priest turned you over to me. What did you do? My kingdom, said Jesus, doesn't consist of what you see around you. If it did, my followers would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But I'm not that kind of king, not the world's kind of king. Then Pilate said, So are you a king or not? And Jesus answered, You tell me, because I am king. I was born and entered the world so that I could witness to the truth. Everyone who cares for truth, who has any feeling for the truth, recognizes my voice. Pilate said, What is truth? And then he went back out to the Jews and told them, I find nothing wrong in this man. It's your custom that I pardon one prisoner at Passover. Do you want me to pardon the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, not this one, but Barabbas. Barabbas was a Jewish freedom fighter. So Pilate took Jesus and had him whipped. The soldiers, having braided a crown from thorns, set it on his head, threw a purple robe over him, and approached him with, Hail, King of the Jews! And then they greeted him with slaps in the face. Pilate went back out again and said to them, I present him to you, but I want you to know that I do not find him guilty of any crime. And just then, Jesus came out wearing the thorn crown and purple robe. Pilate announced, Here he is, the man! And when the high priest and police saw him, they shouted in a frenzy, Crucify! crucify. Pilate told them, you take him, you crucify him. I find nothing wrong with him. The Jews answered, we have a law. And by that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. When Pilate heard this, he became even more scared. He went back into the palace and said to Jesus, where did you come from? Jesus gave no answer. Pilate said, you won't talk. Don't you know that I have the authority to pardon you and the authority to to crucify you? And Jesus said, you haven't a shred of authority over me except what has been given you from heaven. That's why the one who betrayed me to you has committed a far greater fault. At this, Pilate tried his best to pardon him, but the Jews shouted him down. If you pardon this man, you're no friend of Caesar's. Anyone setting himself up as king defies Caesar. When Pilate heard those words, he led Jesus outside and he sat down at the judgment seat in the area designated Stone Court, or in Hebrew, Gabatha. It was the preparation day for Passover. The hour was noon. Pilate said to the Jews, here is your king. And they shouted back, kill him, kill him, crucify him. And Pilate said, I am to crucify your king? And the high priest answered, "'We have no king except Caesar.' Pilate caved into their demand. He turned them over to be crucified. They took Jesus away. Carrying his cross, Jesus went out to the place called Skull Hill, the name in Hebrew is Golgotha, where they crucified him and with him two others, one on each side, Jesus in the middle. Pilate wrote a sign and had it placed on the cross." It read, Jesus, the Nazarene, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read the sign because the place where Jesus was crucified was right next to the city. It was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. The Jewish high priest objected, don't write, they said to Pilate, the king of the Jews, make it, this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate said, what I've written, I've written. And when they crucified him, The Roman soldiers took his clothes and divided them up four ways, to each soldier a fourth. But his robe was seamless, a single piece of weaving. So they said to each other, Let's not tear it up, let's throw dice to see who gets it. This confirmed the scripture that said, They divided up my clothes among them and threw dice for my coat. The soldiers validated the scriptures. While the soldiers were looking after themselves, Jesus' mother, his aunt, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene stood at the foot of the cross. Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing near her. He said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. And then to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that moment, the disciple accepted her as his own mother. Jesus, seeing that everything had been completed so that the scripture record might also be complete, then said, I'm thirsty. A jug of sour wine was standing by. Someone put a sponge soaked with the wine on a javelin and lifted it to his mouth. After he took the wine, Jesus said, it's done, complete. Bowing his head, he offered up his spirit. And then the Jews, since it was the day of Sabbath preparation, and so the bodies wouldn't stay on the crosses over the Sabbath. It was a high holy day that year. Petitioned Pilate that their legs be broken to speed death and the bodies taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man crucified with Jesus and then the other. When they got to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers stabbed him in the side with a spear. Blood and water gushed out. The eyewitness to these things has presented an accurate report. He saw it himself and is telling the truth, so that you also will believe. These things that happened confirmed the scripture, not a bone in his body was broken, and the other scripture that reads, They will stare at the one they pierced. After all this, Joseph of Arimathea, he was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he was intimidated by the Jews petitioned Pilate to take the body of Jesus. Pilate gave permission, so Joseph came and took the body. Nicodemus, who had first come to Jesus at night, came now in broad daylight, carrying a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. They took Jesus' body and, following the Jewish burial custom, wrapped it in linen with the spices. There was a garden near the place where he was crucified. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been placed. So because it was Sabbath preparation for the Jews and the tomb was convenient, they placed Jesus in it. And that is it for today, friends. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all telling us their unique perspective of the same story of Jesus crucified for you and for me. According to Scripture, there is nothing recorded on Saturday. So there will be no reading, there will be no Holy Week podcast tomorrow, but Sunday is coming. So go out or stay in and do something that sounds fun to you, friends, and I'll do the same. And we will see you back here on Easter Sunday.